Destroy! 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 Company! Destroy! 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 Company! Destroy! Destroy! Company! Destroy! Destroy! Company! Destroy! 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 Company! Hello listeners, welcome to another week of Ross Purdy Destroys Comedy. I am your host, Ross Purdy Destroys Comedy. And this week I am joined by... Oh Jesus, I hope I get this name right. Um, uh, Doc... Doctor... Yeah, we're getting there. Doctor... Yeah, come on. L... Come on, I'm helping you out here. Suavo. Come on, I'll wave that carrot in front of your eyes. Thank you, Gavin. Thank you for having me in and asking me in. I must apologise. I've been a little bit... I was a little bit slack getting back to you, but 2020, I went back to my home planet while you earthlings were just living on this planet and feasting upon each other. Uh, I was lucky enough to go home and visit my people, but I'm back now. I'm back now, Earthlings. Yep. Ba- what planet are you from? The planet of Suave. Oh, <laughs> he got you there. Is that, is that your origin story? That is. Well, the origin. Well, yeah, part of it. But I was dropped here as a baby, similar to Superman. Okay, so your planet was about to explode, and, and I was then dropped into Mexico, and that's hence the Lucha Libre mask. So I've always been wearing a Lucha Libre mask since I was one and a half years of age to hide my identity in Mexico. Right, because you don't want people to know where you're actually from. Like, oh, no. Well, no, that wouldn't give you a clue, would it? No. Oh, okay. So uh, you, you put the mask on so people can't guess that you're actually an alien. True, yeah, yeah. Is that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should just wear one of those, like, those alien masks that they wear at EDM festivals. Oh, yeah. All those kids seem to have, like, alien masks on. We've light up like, oh, I could have just worn that. Well, actually, that's what my head looks like. So I could have just walked around normal as long as I had, like, uh, silver big oversized flares on. What else do those kids wear at EDM festivals, Gavin? Uh, they snort just a whole bunch of just... Uh, clothes? MDMA. Oh, okay. Clothes and MDMA. Wow, good mixture. Don't mix clothes and MDMA, kids. If you're going to snort one, one or the other. Okay, but what if I really just want to just experiment and just go freaking hog wild? And okay, some... Gavin, you look a bit younger than Dr. El Suavo. Dr. El Suavo's done a lot of experimenting over his life, so you don't want to end up like me. I'm a good enough example not to experiment with drugs. Okay. You keep saying my name's Gavin, but my name is actually Calvin. Calvin. Sorry, Calvin. Do you want to start again? We can start again. Hold on. Sorry. <clears throat> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Calvin Destroys Comedy with your host, Calvin Destroys Comedy. And I'm joined by the doctors in the freaking house right now. It's Dr. Al Suavo. Thank you, Calvin. Hello, listeners out there. Welcome to your weekly roast of what? Belting the hell out of comedy? How would you describe it? Destroying it. Destroying it. We destroy comedy. Is that like when Godzilla destroys Tokyo in a Toho film, basically from the late 60s? I'm not talking about the current run of Godzilla films, which are brilliant. Oh, they're wonderful pieces of cinema. Yeah. I could go to those a lot lot quicker than a Harry Potter film. Dr. Earl's father hasn't seen a Harry Potter film, and they're supposed to have magicians in them, which is the weird one. Well, they're wizards. They're a bit different. Yeah, they are. They're evil wizards. Yeah. Long grey beards, long grey hair. No, you don't have that. You got that freaking 
Lucha Libre mask right now, the fez. You, you, you pull it off. I, I almost look like uh, Robert Redford. Oh. Ro- yeah, Robert Redford circa uh, 71, 1970, 71. Except I've got dark hair where he has blonde hair. I have a round nose where he has a pointy nose and my face is a bit rounder where his is long. But split an image otherwise. Yeah, oh yeah, I see it. And it, you look like a guy that's about to start Sundance. <laughs> well, it's probably not a good year to start Sundance with uh, what's going on in the States at the moment. Or it's out of control over there. Or the best time. Yeah, yeah. Well, do it online. Don't have to go. Yeah. Well, as you said, you embraced lockdown, Calvin. Yeah. I, I embraced it too because the best thing about it was no people. Oh, yeah. Screw people. Yeah. Hate people. Yeah. So we're both on the same page there. Now, I enjoy the fact that people have to stay 1.5 metres away from me. I've always insisted on that since I was a young child. So I don't know. Did you get to see the South Park episode about the pandemic? The special, yes. Yeah, so the, where you just like Cartman saying, stop stop standing across to me. I've got, got one of those sticks. You got the stick, yeah. Yep. I measured it out. Well, it's just a broomstick that I had in the cupboard to be honest with you, and I've got a tape measure out. I measured it to the official 1.5 millimetres, sawed off the end, stuck a nail in it, and ready to go. Just just a little jab. I'm not going to pierce, no piercing skin, just a little little pinprick just to wake people up and go, oh, sorry, I'm approaching on your personal space. So I'm going to, that is now a permanent part of my life and a mask on top of my Lucha Libre mask. Wow, okay. I've yeah. seen you do shows at Northcote where you would just poke at people like, get away from me. You know, you're too close to the stage. Well, you're a performer. Yeah, right? of, of sorts. Okay. Now, there's a dividing line. It's like the Great Wall. Trump's wall between Mexico and America. Stay down on the floor and let the artist stay on the stage. You're going to be part of the show. Believe me, I'm going to pick on everyone in the room. And a number of members of the audience get invited up on stage to assist with magic and everything like that. And um, skullduggery and shenanigans that go on oh, stage. They, they, they get up, they welcome to come up on stage, but please, we just need a little bit of space. I don't really want to use that stick on stage, but I'm thinking now since we've had the pandemic and that it's going to be accepted. What do you think? Oh, I think it's just, it'll be weird not to use it. <laughs> I agree. And especially when the sort of uh, people that come to my shows and Neil Hamburger's shows and, and things like that, we, we need personal protection. Yeah. Yeah, there's weird tatted up freaking north side freaks coming in. That... Do they all live on the north side? Well, some live in freaking just shitty... Moralbark or Churnside Park or Churnside Park. some shit. Well, the funny thing is you bring up Churnside Park. When Neil Hamburger comes to Australia, he spends a bit of time out at Churnside Park. He has family there. So he, he agrees with your sort of evaluation of that suburb. Oh, because like I live sis- there. That's why, I was oh able- That's why I was able to pull it out because I know it's shitty. Is this sister town of Shitsville, Arizona? It might be, I think, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and how long have you lived there? Three, four years. Okay. How long? How many? How much? How many more years have you got left in you? Oh man, 
I don't know, a couple of months a at least months. before I go freaking uh, Jack Nicholson shining crazy. All right. So if anyone's looking for a housemate, they need someone. He's very clean, well manicured, very clean around the house. Yep, yep. Drop your line. Yeah, I yeah, drop me a line. Uh, just uh, email me. Yeah. And what preferred areas? Inner north. Uh, just those north side cunts, I guess. I mean, I'm an artist. I guess I have to live around. Broadmeadows? Yeah, Broadmeadows. Campbellfield, yeah. That's pretty arty around there, I think, isn't it? Reservoir? Well, to be fair, I my comedy does... Transcend. Does transcend all. I could go for a stabbing. Could work for my act. <laughs> well, there's always the sympathy vote. There's always the sympathy attraction to someone getting stabbed. You could come back bigger and better. We can rebuild him. Just as I said with the $6 million man in the 70s. So if I get, you know, like if I get a vital organ, don't worry. Don't worry. You know, there's, you can, a, pig, a pig's organ can be transplanted. They can rebuild you. That's, but imagine the material. That's so good to know. I have already have a pig heart, a pig spleen, pig liver. What else can I have? Um, pig kidney. So I get... Oh, okay, you got them in your body. I thought you just had a pig running around the backyard ready to, okay. when That'd be a good idea. As people get older, you just keep a pig. So when your body parts start failing, you just got your own pig there. And, okay, the first one when it goes, you're going to have to unfortunately kill the pig, but you have a deep freeze. And then you keep the rest of the vital organs in the deep freeze. And when you'll slowly keep, you know, falling apart and you're almost dying and <coughs> coughing up blood, you just go to the deep freeze and pull out an organ. And then you ring... Um, who can you ring? Um, a mobile mechanic. Those mobile mechanic guys yep. in the vans, and they can come down and, and install install the uh, pig heart into your heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get lube. Hundred dollars an hour labor. No call out for you, I think. Yeah, well, that's what China should do instead of this live organ harvesting. Yeah, they do that. Yeah, China with the Uyghurs. Are they doing it with it? They would be. Wow, China. So remember, remember when China used to put. Lord, the Chinese, sorry, I shouldn't. We've got to be trying to be politically correct here because we are in the northern suburbs of uh, Melbourne. Let's say um, when the Chinese people in Chinese takeaway restaurants, is that politically? That's all right, isn't it? Well, I'm, 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 giving you, I'm giving you enough rope. <laughs> <laughs> when they used to put MSG in their food. And, you know, like you might not have experienced it, but old men like me, you know, basically it used to make you sweat. It used to make you shit. It used to make you shake. And half an hour later, you were hungry again. It wasn't good for you. So the Western world cracked down on MSG. There were major World Health Organization was improved. The UN. This was before, um, you know, what is it? The European community, where they're all together now. What's it called? Nazi Germany. Yeah, no, yeah. No, sorry, that yeah. was 70 years ago. Okay, so now they've got us back. You know how they're getting us back? And yeah. it's, not the, it's not the pandemic or the China virus, as uh, El Presidente Trump would say. It's with Zoom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. fuck. You, you know why? You know why? Dr. El Suavo, well, I actually have a computer. I, I just know how to use a computer. But I always have tape over my camera because the last thing I need is the Chinese government seeing Dr. El Suavo doing what he does in front of a computer. Oh, yeah. No one wants to see that. No. So everyone out there, think about that. Oh, I don't have to go into work anymore because I can do my meetings by Zoom. Right? And the Chinese government, the communist government of China are spying on you. 
they're not interested about your bank account details or your Facebook password or what's my code for my iPhone. They're not interested in that. They're interested in the dirty side of your lives. They're getting off on you people. So you might be taking a dump, right, a big, hairy, smelly, basketball-sized dump and looking at your phone and the Communist Party is looking right back at you, going, yep, okay, we know how big your turds are. We know what they weigh. We know how to take you down. Mm -hmm. But watch you pop off. Yeah, Yeah. as well, you know. (laughs) Well, that's obviously the first one that you'd go, well, you've got to take the camera because, you you know, I'm going at it 10 times a day and almost pulling knee cartilage out of my knee because there's nothing left in there. But I thought I'd go to... I go right, not left at the fork on the road. But right, I mean, sometimes thank you, Calvin, for just dragging us back. To- you know, you make brown, you make white at the same time sometimes, and then afterwards you make a little yellow. Oh, man. okay. You have had MSG by the sounds of it. Oh, definitely. I've had it all. I've had heroin. Yeah. Well, not really. Oh, okay. I've taped it to my body. Yeah. Oh well, that's. That's worse than actually taking it if you get caught. Definitely. I got fined and arrested. Wow. Both. Wow. I would have taken one or the other, but... Well, a lot of times, too, you've got to be arrested to be fined in some cases. So maybe that was the loophole that... Who was it that arrested you? Was it Border Customs or was it... John Wood (laughs) from Blue Healers. (laughs) There you go. And he's an actor, too. He doesn't have jurisdiction, but he went ahead. He does in TV land, doesn't he? Yeah, but this isn't TV land, Uh, Doc. Did you come in off a plane or off a boat, or was it...? Well, it was one of those plane boats. Oh, (laughs) and and Cranko plan, or the Russian ones. So what's going on? Have you been doing any live shows? What's been happening in Melbourne? Because Dr. El Suavo's only done one show this year. I'm I'm curious what's been happening in Melbourne because I live actually out in the Strezlecki Ranges now in Gippsland in my dear bit of doomsday prepping going up there in the El Suavo bunker up there in the Strezlecki Ranges. So, Calvin, give me me what's going on in Melbourne. Well, I've done a couple gigs. I've done some sort of uh, gigs at Club Voltaire, if you've heard of that. It's in the North Melbourne. Yeah. The comedy festival's coming up. I'm yeah. doing a show for that. Oh, good on you. How many how many nights are you doing? I'm doing 22. Oh. And I said, good on you. You're going to hate yourself after oh. those 22 shows. I hate myself now, so it's all good. And give it a plug. Where are you on it? Uh, I'm at Vodka Temple in Ligon Street, 10 p.m. Vodka Temple. Yeah. It's a vodka bar? Yeah. And this show's upstairs. And my show's called Rainbow Piss. Well, there you go. I tell you what, I think even Dr. El Suavo is going to check out Rainbow Piss. Get down there, Fruity Asses, and check out Calvin. You can buy tickets now? Yep, on the Comedy Fest website. Look it up. Look it up. Don't be late. Yeah, well, I've done one show this year. Unfortunately, that was at the Bendigo Hotel in Collingwood. But it was fun. It's fun. And it was in front of a black metal crowd, which was quite... I get thrown in really strange sort of audiences sometimes, like... You mentioned the, the Neil Hamburger audience before at the Northcote Social Club, which is fair. That's sort of my audience. But over the years, I've done some some sort of shows like opening for Steve-O at the Palais. So the Jackass kids weren't very appreciative to uh, Dr. El Suavo. Uh, that was quite a 
quite a dangerous night, actually. Would you like to hear that little story? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so that was back in 2003, and it was after I'd done my first American tour with Neil Hamburg, and we also went up to Canada. And um, I got back, and a week later, a dear old friend of the doctor's, Neil Wedd, who used to do a lot of shows in St Kilda and booked the Prince of Wales Hotel for a long time, involved with Big Day Out, lovely man, rings up Dr Ellen Suavo and goes, Dr... Where's your manager, Jeff Halls? And I'm like, well, uh, you know, he's asleep, obviously. He's living off all my money I made in America. But what is it, Neil? And he's like, Doctor, would you like to perform at the Palais Theatre? And, you know, what a dream. The history of the Palais? Of course, Dr. Elswell. Of course, I say, I, I, you know, I have to perform at the Palais. It's such a beautiful theatre, the history. I said, who would I be opening for? Is it someone like Wayne Newton? Is it, you know, uh, maybe Michael Bublé? Or, or someone sort of like that, or Donald Duck, who's over in the background there. No, Neil, it's, it's Steve-O from a show called Jackass. Are you familiar with that? And I wasn't. I wasn't. So I just said, yeah, what the hell, you know, it's the Palais Theatre, I'll do it. So I go wake up over my manager because he's going to be happy that he's getting 15% for doing, for being asleep. Oh, How does that they're, work? They're crooks. I know. 15% for sleeping on his ass. And I, I booked the actual show. You're doing the whole all the work. I know. So I wake him up, slap him across the face a couple of times. Smack, 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 smack. And I go, what's his show, Jackass? And he's looked at me and just punched me. Oh. He goes, that's Jackass. And I'm like, oh, okay. I better have a look on this thing called YouTube. So have a look. And I, oh, no. Oh, no. What am I in for? So the night comes. Beautiful crew. The old guys that run the Palais, they're a lovely bunch of people. And they, didn't, they you know, cutting costs on the tour like they did. That show was sold out. It was a Wednesday night, sold out Palais Theatre. So what's had about 2,000 people, I think. And it was a school holidays. So that's a big clue. Oh, no. So they wanted to cut down on costs so they don't, so they asked Dr. Elswell, oh, can you MC as well? But the set I was doing at the time had no, I wasn't talking at all. It was all uh, mixed up music and I had some film trailers in. It was sort of uh, choreographed a bit, a lot more looser, a lot more looser nowadays. And um, so basically, okay, I said, look, put a microphone side of stage behind the curtains and I'll do it that. Do a nice opening, you know, welcoming the audience to the Palais Theatre and, you know, Steve-O, yeah, give him a round of applause. Yeah, give Steve-O's personal choice of, Support Dr. El Suavo around blah, blah, blah. and here he is, Dr. El Suavo. The curtains open to a sold out show at the Palais Theatre, and the first thing I hear is dead silent. Is are we allowed to use profanities? Go ahead, okay. go ahead. Get off the fucking stage, you faggot cunt, before we kill you. I had not done a single thing, I hadn't said a word. The curtains are just open, so I look at the guy, I go, The curtains close again. So I get on the microphone and prefer to prepare to be someone else and MC and go, come on, kids, we know it's school holidays. Do you want to go home at 10.30 or do you want to go home at 11.15? Do you want to stay out a bit longer tonight? <laughs> so, well, you know, give Dr. El Suavo a break. Come on, give him a bit of love. The curtains open. <laughs> Water bottles start getting thrown on stage. And during that set, I used to have a bit where there was like the crazies are loose that's from a film trailer. I'd play that and I'd run through the audience with maracas. And it worked really well in America because American audiences is just up for it. As soon as you walk on stage, and as I said, at that time, I wasn't talking. So in America, Greg said, 
just at the beginning before you hit your mini disc player, just say, hey, I'm Dr. El Suavo from Melbourne, Australia, and then hit your mini disc player. And just saying that, the audience would just, they're into it straight away. It's like, wow, you've made all the, way, all the effort to come from Melbourne, Australia to play here in Portland or Eugene, Oregon or something like that. And it's really, you just, you instantly live. Like, you just go, bang. So two months of that, which was fantastic, and now I have Steve-O's audience, and I'm doing the maraca dance for the audience, for the aisles, and someone tripped me over and kicked me in the ass at yeah. the same time. So I get back up. I don't sort of break out of character. I knew who I was. Get the maraca and just bang it over his head, and the top comes off and just skip up stage. And everyone's going, woo. About a minute later, that maraca gets thrown at full force and just misses my head. So it's like, okay, it's one of these shows. So my music's running out at the end of the set and I was finishing off that with the famous straitjacket escape where I've got to dislocate my shoulder and it's actually painful to do. And I didn't, I had less respect for this audience than they had for Dr. El Suavo. So the music was running out and I'm thinking, oh, fuck them, I'm not going to get out of the straitjacket. So the music stops and here I am halfway out of the straitjacket bowing to the audience with the two, well, not, Maybe 1,800 people booing and hissing at me because I'd won a few people over and the curtains closed. So that was my experience at the Palais. And then Steve-O gets on and staples his foreskin into his leg and the crowd goes wild. It's the greatest thing they've ever seen. <laughs> well, they threw a maraca at you. They wanted you to shove it up your butt. Well, That's what they want. <laughs> well, they, no, they wanted me dead. They didn't, want, they didn't want to see a maraca up my butt. They wanted to see me lynched above the stage. And what would kill you? Lynching. What would kill you? A maraca up the butt. It would hurt. No. It, well, it could. Well, you know, we've heard. Okay, we can't go down this road, Calvin. What is the worst? I want to know what have you had an experience like that where you've opened someone and he just hated you or and it's actually got there's a bit of tension in the room. I find that exciting sometimes. Whether I've opened for anyone? Or or have you had that tension where it's like, wow, it's it's me against them, you know. I once had an opening night gig in Adelaide Fringe. Yeah. Where my only audience members were the sport, sports journalist and a friend they brought along. And okay. not the type of crowd that enjoys a man uh, rubbing fake <laughs> semen on his face. That weird, crazy shit I do. And I got a half-star review from that. But he was a sports journalist. He was a sports journalist. So it went straight over his head. Yep. Uh, there's a part in the show where I make an audience member, Jennifer Lawrence. I made him Jennifer Lawrence because I... He was the only one to do it. Yeah. yeah. And he also looked like a footy bloke. And I think I just like self-sabotage. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, you wrote your own review. You gave yourself your own review. Yeah, my own half-star review. I wrote, at least I hope it's fake semen. (laughs) But I still use to this day. Because it says everything you need to know about my act. Uh, Well, we've got to do a show together. You've sold me. You've sold me. Yeah, I've done some stuff over at Adelaide Fringe. It's, It's weird because I actually lived in Adelaide for a couple of years in the early 90s. Don't ask me why. Amazing little town. The weirdest, darkest underbelly of any city in Australia. Amazing. An amazing art scene there. And it has been for a very long time. And when I lived there, it was the first city to have a fringe festival. And it was only every two years. And it was, some of the acts on there were completely bizarre. Over the last 10 years, the Adelaide Festival, which is the more mainstream festival, has gone more left than the fringe festival. The fringe festivals, to me, has turned into almost a 
Adelaide version of a comedy festival, maybe, because they've got the route between Perth, Adelaide, Melbourne, then they go up to Sydney and do Cracker Festival after Melbourne, where Adelaide Festival got John Zorn over and Patton came over and done something with Zorn over three nights. They had Genesis P. Orridge from Frobbing Gristle and Psychic TV. It's like, wait a minute, these guys should be on the Fringe Festival and Carl Barron, who, or you know, it would be someone like that that's promoting themselves through the Fringe Festival, should probably be on the Adelaide Festival. But you know what? That's part of the juxtapose of Adelaide. And then throw a V8 touring car race yeah. on the same weekend. Oh, yeah, Adelaide can sustain all that. And there was something else they used to throw on too, WOM Adelaide. Yeah, they, the I end. think they still do that yeah, all around the same time. Yeah. Don't, don't spread them out over here no, and no, keep no, no. the money coming in over here. Put them all on the same, you know, exactly the same time. Adelaide. Concentrated dose. <laughs> I also have to say, from that terrible gig that got me a half-star review, I did another show the next year at Adelaide Fringe. Uh, this was a show I did with someone else, a duo show. That also got half a star from a real estate editor. Oh, stop this. this <laughs> no, this is a bit. You're doing a bit. Look it up. I You're doing still... a bit. No, I know. Stop not... it. <laughs> we, we used a pull quote from him that's um, art is meant to... Confront and challenge, but this isn't art. This is crap. <laughs> You've got, you got to love reviews like that. I was, one of the street press magazines years ago, DB Magazine in Adelaide, was like, what is it? The magician aren't enough to make the Pope turn to drinking. Um, this, I would pull out the worst lines of reviews, and they would be the quotes that you use. And that's it. that actually gets people. It's like, you know, you can come up with, oh, the funniest thing I've seen since. Boring. Whatever, everyone does that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And those quotes are manufactured half the time. But, you know, with our quotes, which are negative, why the hell would they make that up? <laughs> why would you make up a negative quote for your poster? Don't need to. I get enough negative reviews to put them on my poster without making them up. Hell, the pull quote I used for my show this year, just it's from a good review, but yeah. it just I've taken something completely out of contest and it makes no sense. It's just dog nipples. Beat magazine. There you go. Beat magazine. It's up there with dog uh, nipples. Yeah, it's up there with Financial Inquirer. It's up there with, um, you know, the Washington Post for fine journalism, isn't it? It was that. Was that when they still had a printed version? Oh, they still have a print version. I think they have it? a print version. Yeah, yeah. No one picks it up anymore, do they? No, they don't. It's, it's all online, and especially with the COVID stuff. Oh, by the way, I've been coughing all day. There you go. Oh, there you go. Jeez. And you know what? I'm actually on Calvin's shoulders, sitting on his shoulders, so I don't think that's 1.5 metres away. It's not. Yeah. Well, my penis rubbing up against the back of your head, that's definitely not 1.5 metres. It's, it's not. And I'm glad you said that. I thought it might have been a rat. I'm just glad it's just your penis. I'm thinking of a rat nozzle and its teeth. Oh, dude, seriously. Wow. There you go. Rick the Doctor, a new one. So what else can we talk? Do you want to talk about some, some of the other bands I've been lucky enough to open for? Sure. I mean, you coughed before. That brings me to your question. Let's go to your history. How'd you get started? How'd I get started? Okay. Dr. El Suavo's father is actually a magician. Okay. So, yeah. so he brought you into this industry? He did at a very young age. So it, it, my father was called the Great Fazzini. That was his magic name up in Sydney. 
and uh, he was the president of a club called the Genie's Magical Society for about 35 years, and it still meets up in Sydney. And uh, so as a young child, I um, experienced magic, learnt my magic, and then uh, somehow I found myself in Mexico at about the age of 10 or 11. I think I'd been sold. I think there might have been some family debts or something. Okay, that happens. Yeah, so I'd spent about a decade there, hence the Lucha Libre. I can't go into my history in Mexico, but that's where the Lucha Libre mask came from, okay? But that's all you need to know about the decade in Mexico, okay? Everything else, top secret. So back, get back to Australia, and what's the year 2000? It's decided decided to start touring Australia. And that was really on the request of Neil Hamburger. So my manager looks after Neil Hamburger and we were doing a Neil Hamburger and Canned Ham tour, comedy duo, musical comedy duo from Canada. And Neil insisted that Dr. El Suave opened those shows. And they, basically I just did a DJ set during that with a little bit of magic because I love DJing Exotica, Lounge, you know, sort of even weird country songs, very depressing country songs like Porter Wagner and stuff like that, film soundtracks, uh, product music. That's all my loves of, of, in collecting records and DJing. And I do like maybe four or five magic tricks doing a 45-minute DJ set with a bit of visuals. And then the magic... I started introducing the magic a little bit more and did the tour in America in 2003. And then um, I was lucky enough to open nationally for uh, the Bronx when they did their first tour as El Mariachi Bronx. So it was Bronx, El Mariachi Bronx and Dr. El Suave and we had an opening band and I would DJ in between bands and do magic as well. So it was a good form of sort of entertainment, you know, in between the bands, sort of keep the show sort of going like... With Neil Hamburger and other artists I work with, we see ourselves as old school, bad Las Vegas gods. That's what we love, old school, 50s, 60s, 70s Vegas. So those shows kept running, and that's what we like to do. We like to keep the shows running. So after that, I ended up doing a tour with Les Claypool from Primus, the Les Claypool Quartet, and that was, that was quite amazing. No, very good and worked very well and worked well with Les. And then a tour with... Um, who was that? Uh, Secret Chiefs. Are you familiar with the Secret Chiefs? No, I am not. I'm not. Tell me more, Doc. Okay. Secret Chiefs is uh, the brainchild of Trey Spruance, who was guitarist in Mr. Bungle. And uh, they hadn't played live till they toured Australia in 1997. And basically, it was Mr. Bungle minus Mike Patton on that tour. And the core was Danny, the drummer of Mr. Bungle, Trevor Dunn, bass player, Trey guitarist. So then they came back to Australia in 2007 and I was asked to open on that tour. And that was an amazing, you know, amazing fun. And it was sort of like um, that was only going to be a DJ set, you know, before then because they had so much equipment on stage and it's like, but they insisted on the magic. So that turned into a magic set as well. And then I'm trying to think what sort of came after that. There was... Always constant touring with Neil Hamburger. Got a, so we've done three tours of America together. Um, I've done a tour of New Zealand. That was in 2000, geez, 2005, a long time ago. Need to oh. get back to New Zealand. Wow. You know? We did shows in Canada in 2003, but it's a constant thing with us. We've known each other for since 1997. That we, it works perfectly together. We're the best. It's like, as we say, it's Martin and Lewis. It's Martin and Lewis. 
You know, it, it is. It is. We are Martin and Lewis. Now, who's the silly slapstick guy and who's the, the cool drunk guy that gets annoyed at the slapstick <sighs> guy? Well, it depends on the night. Okay. Depends who starts drinking first. Sure. We're both, we're both fans of alcohol. We're both big fans of alcohol. And if you've seen our live shows, you're probably aware of that. I used to do a thing for years called The Disappearing Shot of Jägermeister. It was a crowd favourite. I can't do it anymore because it'll kill me. And I've been in some nights where it hasn't been just a shot of Jägermeister. I think it was Athens, Georgia, when we were there in 2007. The crowd put the challenge to Dr. El Suave, and I think I did eight shots of Jägermeister in a 40-minute set of magic. Um, I remember packing up my magic. I do not remember Neil Hamburger's set that night, and I remember waking up in our motel in Atlanta. So... Don't do eight shots of Jägermeister in 40 minutes, kids. It's not wise. At least 45. Yeah. Spread it out a bit more. Yeah, yeah. Take a breath between each one. Take a breath. How's your problem? And here's one that might sort of make you sort of scratch your head a little bit and how the hell I got to do this. Well, I opened for Brian Posehn um, in Melbourne at the corner, and that was good fun. The promoter actually liked Dr. El Suave. And he said, I want you to open up nationally on the next comedy tour I'm doing. I'm like, I'd love to do that. Who is it? He goes, are you familiar with Craig Robinson? And I'm like, no, I'll I'll have to ask my manager because I'm only familiar with comedians from 30 to 40 to 50 years ago. Do you know who Craig Robinson is, Calvin? Uh, American actor, The Office, Pineapple Express. Hot tub time machine. Yeah, that guy. Wow. So I'm like, I've checked him out. He's talented. He's good. I like him. I'm like, yeah, we can have fun. First show is in Adelaide. I roll up to, I think they call it technical check or sound check, something like that. And for me, it's just waking up, getting some sleep out of my eyes, practicing the tricks I'm going to do that night because I don't practice any other time and start drinking. That's my sound check. Right. So I roll up and I'm just thinking that it's going to be Craig and a keyboard on stage. I hear the most amazing eight-piece funk band on stage tuning up and just jamming and it's just like, oh, my God, I'm on before this? <laughs> it's, this is, I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if it's going to work. And it, that was such a pleasurable tour to do. Craig Robinson, lovely gentleman, lovely gentleman. That band was amazing. But I tell you what, I don't know how... After that first show, we had one dressing room that was sharing at the side of stage. I finished, walked into that room. I could not see a foot in front of me from all the marijuana smoke. And those guys, basically, the band goes on stage and leaves Craig this massive doobie going. They start jamming. And when he finishes the doobie, that's what they call them in Australia. Yeah, the doobie. The or roaches. Doobie. Yeah. yeah. And it, then he'd walk on stage and start the show. <laughs> and it's just like, because Dr. El Suave cannot perform under the influence of marijuana. No, just alcohol. Yeah. Okay. Can you can you perform after do you smoke Maui Wowie? I've done I've done it once, past? but I don't. I've never tried it doing it before a show. No, so. it's it's. I, I we did a show, uh, Neil and myself at Spaceland in LA, and it was and Tom. This was was it two three can't remember the exact year. Tom Green hadn't been doing stand-up for a while. And we know Tom because Neil used to do a show on Tom Green's web show called Poolside Chats. Have you ever seen that? 
I've seen a couple, yeah. I believe. I've heard of it. Okay, so Tom wanted to do some start doing some stand up again. He he asked us if he could open as a warm up, right? To warm up to doing his own gigs, you know, a month down the track or something. He was yeah, going to yeah. do it under a different name. It's like, well, yeah, of course, you know, we have Tom Green on first, not a problem. And but the thing was, we couldn't promote it, you know. So then the day of the show, he sends a tweet out. All pre-sales are gone, like in 10 minutes or something like that. So we had 500 people there, I think. And um, Tom likes to smoke Maui Wowie, if you couldn't tell. And um, lo and behold, Neil comes and grabs the doctor. And this is during sound check. And he's like, doctor, doctor, you like to smoke marijuana? Because Neil doesn't touch it. Neil's purely a dry martini guy. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I'm like, I can't do it before a show. I can't. You know, it's you got to be, got to give you all. You can't withdraw. So that's the only time I've actually smoked pipe. I, I had a couple of puffs with Tom Green. He can just operate. He smokes nonstop and just operates. Gets on stage and it's bang on. I, it's very hard to do. And um, luckily, they let us start a little bit later because the show was sold out. It's like, oh wow, we, it's, it was a Sunday night, so instead of finishing at nine, they go well. You know, since we got 500 people, we'd like to keep them in here a couple of more hours so we could sell a lot more booze. And our audiences, they like drinking. They as take well. it back. They oh take yeah, it back. it's like oh, I think we're good for bars, good business for bars. You know, if you if they don't get, you know, if your staff don't get the jokes or they're offended or whatever, just look at the cash register. Ching ching ching, and they tip. The tip jars, they're usually pretty full as well because we, we always tell the punters, you know, tip the bar staff, tip the security that's going to be kicking your sorry asses out at the end of the show. And that was pretty amazing. That was the first time I actually got to meet Tim Heidegger because he was actually guesting with a band that was on the bill called um, TV Sheriff. And it was what an amazing night. What an amazing night, yeah. So the Craig Robertson thing, once again, beautiful, lovely gentleman, and um, I've become a fan of his work ever since. Very clever, too. Very clever. Didn't staple his, uh, fourth, his nutsack to his... Uh, oh, no, nut. no. He's got a bit more to offer. Got a bit more of an act? He's okay. got a bit more act. But funnily enough, you throw in that jackass reference because it's sort of a good segue because after my first horrific jackass experience... It was probably six or seven years ago I got invited down to Hobart by the lovely people that own the Brisbane Hotel. And I have a good following in Hobart. That's a sort of, that's a Dr. El Suavo town, Hobart. All right. Okay. Should they call it sex worker, but <laughs> are they allowed to call it Hobart still? Oh, oh, that's good. I like that. I got, well, with all this cancel culture going on, you're probably right. You're probably right. Change your name, Tassie. See, like, you know, with in this modern day and age, like, Dr. El Suavo is part of the, that section of society which is the greatest enemy against society, a white, middle-aged, heterosexual male. We're evil. We're going to bring down society, aren't we? Yeah, thanks a lot, Doc. Uh, yeah, we'll see. But the Brisbane Hotel go, We'd like you to come down and do a couple of things at the club. We'd like you to host a trivia night one night. We'd like you to do a DJ visual night with the magic that I usually do. And then we'd like you to MC and do an after show for Wee Man. And I can't remember the other gentleman's name, A very the big, huge guy that was on Jackass, because they're coming 
to do an Australian tour. And I'm like, why do I, why does Dr. El Suavo get associated with jackass? I don't do anything like those guys. You know, couldn't they get Paulie from Fat Pizza or something? That's more suitable. Same demographic. Yeah, I see that. I yeah. mean, why? why? Why pick on Dr. El Swallow? I was like, well, I wanted to go down to Hobart. I felt like a holiday. So, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it. But it means I get to go to Mona. It means I get to, you know, have a nice time, go down Port Arthur, see where Martin Bryant was sh- did all the shootings. And- yeah, he did all that stuff. Yeah. And, well, and his friend... Yeah, his friend, his friend, Mr. Gunn. Yeah. No, 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 it was another, wasn't there a second? There was three or four, eight shooters? Oh, no, no, those were crisis actors. Oh, that's right, okay. <laughs> so go down and talking to the lovely owners. Okay, I'll do this. And it's like, you know, and it was $50 a ticket to go see these two. Third, third string of the jackass crew. <laughs> Not even A-list. No. Not, not Knoxville. Not nah. even Steve-O. See, I like Johnny Knoxville. I think Johnny Knoxville, out of all those guys, is the one that's got the brains and has m- moved on to better things. He's a really good documentary producer. He does a lot of documentaries on, um, like, old boot um, bootleggers, alcohol bootleggers in America and sort of hillbilly sort of style documentaries and, you know, people living off the grid, stuff like that. You know, I like Johnny, and of course he was in Dirty Shame by Dr. El Suavo's favourite all-time director, John Waters. So anyone that gets a starring role in a John Waters film is pretty good. But also you got to remember, Steve-O went completely straight edge and denounced everything he did and then tried to become a straight stand-up comedian. That didn't work, did no, it? No, did it? You can't be completely straight edge and be a stand-up comedian, can you? No, you got to staple your freaking... Scrotum to your side of your leg. That and that's definitely not straight. <laughs> that's going to be on his tombstone. He stapled his foreskin to his leg. You know his his epitaph. But um, you know, like they told me when I heard the financial side, they had to put up a lot of money for this show, and they only had thirty payers. It could have almost closed the pub. And do you think those guys, right? And this show was added on at the end of the tour. As, an, as a bonus, might have turned around and go, well, the night flopped, just give us half the money because they still would have walked out with good money instead of... But, no, they wanted all the money. And it really... Yeah, the pub was pub had to rebuild itself up again. So, yeah, unfortunately, that there's always a sour note to these jackass shows, isn't there? It's not... You can't yeah. just run smoothly and everyone... You know, hold hands and sing Kumbaya and everything like that. It always ends in a sour note. Well, if they wanted things to be well, they wouldn't call themselves jackass. Because what do I think of? Donkey. Yeah, same here. I, that's the first thing I think of. Don- I like donkeys. Yeah, but they're not high up in the uh, the animal <laughs> kingdom, right? What we've in in what respect? Intel? Any respect? Any really? respect? Yeah, they're, they're associated with pathos. Yeah, and you know. And you can always get a donkey ride down into the Grand Canyon. That's if you want to do it that way, but I don't think I'd want to do it that way. See, if Steve-O wasn't so straight-edge, he could do donkey shows in the Grand Canyon. Probably has. He probably has. Probably has. On the MTV Dime. Yeah. So you mentioned what you've got coming up. When does that start, the comedy festival? Uh, March 25th. And are you going to Adelaide as well this year? Uh, That's... 
been and done. I think it's on now. Oh, that's right. Can't go because of his border closures. It's it's open, it's closed, know. you know. Oh. Rather not risk it. No, well, we, myself and Neil Hamburg, we had eight shows booked here last year, which had to be cancelled. And in October, I was finally getting to Japan to perform for the first time and then going back to America for the first time in a decade. It's flown. Um and along, along came COVID. But I have got, you've got the Comedy Festival coming up in about three, four months. I'm doing, actually doing an East Coast tour with an act called Franklin's Mint. And it's an American gentleman. His, guy, his name is Phil Franklin. And he was the percussionist in Secret Chiefs, the Mr. Bungle offshoot. And he also played in another Mr. Bungle offshoot called Faxed Head. He was the drummer. So that was Trace Bruins' weird-ass black metal project where they all had masks because basically they all had a suicide pact and it didn't work and they were all seriously deformed. So Phil is an amazing artist, an amazing songwriter. And joining Phil is going to be Mr Bungle and Secret Chiefs drummer Danny Heifetz. So there's going to be the two of those guys. There's going to be an art exhibition of Phil's art. There's going to be Dr. El Suavo and the Vegas All-Stars, which is something new I'm working on. It's going to be a Vegas-style show with music, live musical accompaniment as well as magic. And quite possibly, I've worked quite a bit with a young lady from Brisbane called Kelly Sperling, and she works under the name The Amazing Kelly Show. So I'm probably going to bring Kelly down from Brisbane there's a possibility that we might be bringing the infamous Jay Katz down from the Mumisons archives to MC. But also I think having this discussion and bonding like we're doing, I think uh, when that time comes around, I'm going to ask you, Calvin, if you'd like to be on the bill as well. I'll do anything for five cents. Well, you get So uh, get me on. Nah, sorry, there's no money, but I'll give you a rider. You'll get a six-pack of Sprite and a bag of crisps. Okay, that sounds good to me. There you go. That so, goes. Hey, works for food. <laughs> I work for food. And I was going to ask, I didn't want to make things awkward with networking, but I was going to ask, how do I get on as El Suavo, Neil Hamburger, Bill? You've done it. Just by your humour, I like, I like where you're coming from. Coming from, get it? Because you did the pop, you pop me off. The, yeah, pop, the pop, fake pop, semen. Oh, it's all ties in. See, it's great. This we've had so many segues back to things during this yeah. interview. It's that's like, what happens it in this might podcast. Be a world record. We should have been keeping notes. We should have, but I'm very lazy, so I will not do it. Well, I'm dyslexic, so it doesn't help me. I got the dyslexia, but for numbers, <laughs> dyscalculia. So I'm good with numbers. I'm good with numbers. I know I can tell the difference between two and five. Oh, that yeah. is, it's good. I don't know. Is it a seven? Uh, uh, it's addition. Yeah. Difference. That'd be minus. So okay. it'd probably be 12. Yeah. 12. Okay. That's definitely 12. Speaking of 12, this is the plugs part of the show. We're really near the end. You've plugged all your plugs. I yes. Know. Yes. That, look, don't have a website anymore. I used to do one. I just yeah. like doing things through Facebook now. So Dr. El Suave, punch that into there. Doc, you can punch it into YouTube. You can punch it into Twitter. You can punch it into Instagram, and it'll get you through to the Dr. Earl Suave. There's some nice stuff up on YouTube, so check that out as well. Check it out. i got videos on YouTube too. i got uh, – there's one where I hump a globe of the earth. Uh, 
Me, uh, a satire well, you, video. You were me. doing a Rupert Murdoch impersonation, weren't yes, you? Yes, actually was. Yeah. <laughs> of what uh, they're doing to this country. Yeah, well, he's doing it to the world, isn't he? Fox News. Yeah, uh, that was a new video I did called Blame Dan Andrews. It's uh, me blaming Dan Andrews for everything. Then it ends with a Requiem for a Dream parody <laughs> where I go ass to ass. So, I'll tell you, since you did that, <laughs> what sort of job do you think Dan did during the pandemic? I think he did what he could do. Yeah. If I could be honest. I mean, who can tell with anything? This is all new stuff. Exactly. But I tell you what, there's no way that opposition leader, the Victorian Liberal opposition leader, would have done a better job. Oh, he would have just gone, oh. I just, just keep the economy going. Everyone die. I don't care. What a piece of work he is. And then who did you have? Would it Petter. With the Murdoch beat up, the Sky mm. News, it was ugly. It was ugly. So, you know, Murdoch's, all right, he's, he's fucking Australia, but Sky News in England, Fox News, it's worldwide, that evil, evil. He's, he's worse than any Bond villain, isn't he? Oh, yeah. And, like, who even knows what he's like? I've never heard him talk. No, Have you? No, it's like a ventriloquist puppet. Yeah, he's a puppet. Yeah, so someone's got his hand shoved up their ass. Which is oh. ironic because he's the one that's hold, handling the puppets. Yeah. He's a puppet man handling puppets. The, What's up with that? Well, the Puppet Master. Do you remember that horror film, The Puppet Master? I remember the one where the puppet makes the crank calls. Was oh, that, Crank Yankers. Was that a horror film? No. Well, I love Crank Yankers. You know it's back. They're doing another series of it again. They're doing another one. And now all the Adam Carolla puppets are complaining about safe spaces. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I Do you listen to Adam Carolla's podcast at all? I do not. Is he, okay. he complaining all about safe spaces? He's all right. I, I don't mind Adam Carolla. Like, I used to love The Man Show when I was younger. and I, I, That's another fan of Neil Hamburger's is Jimmy Kimmel. And oh, yeah. In the early days of Jimmy Kimmel, when he took that Tonight Show over, he, Neil Hamburger took two performances on there. So that's pretty cool of him. Um, you know, let, let's put it this way. It's easy to digest for uh, Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah. So weird, weird how it went from Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla, who I thought were good hosts on The Man Show, and a lot of people say, oh, it's sexist and everything. Look at the show, really. It's taken the piss out of men and those ideas. And then they replaced them with Joe Rogan and Doug Stanhope, who I love. I love Doug Stanhope. But... Rogan is just... This podcast was originally going to be called The Joe Rogan Experience. <laughs> I haven't cracked out that joke in a while. Were you going to do six-hour podcasts? Yes. Oh. Yes. Well, yeah. more is not better. What is it? Quality is better than quantity, Joe. Well, both are pretty good. Oh, true, true. And then he's like looking down at us going, Who, as if, you know, as, you know, as if I care about you and your opinion. So. Uh, DMT, hello? <laughs> he snorts that up. Oh, surprise me. Is that all you reckon? Yeah. MDMA, cloves. Yeah, 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 clothes. Um, what are they called? Those little tulip things you dig up from the ground? Uh, truffles. Truffles. Yeah, chops them up, snorts them, because they're expensive. You know, yeah. don't do anything, but they're expensive. So it's sort of like a, um, yeah, what do they call them? A bloody placebo. Yeah, yeah. it's all that news radio money. He has too much of it. <laughs> well... Dr. El Suavo, what have you learned on your journey? We're just about to wrap what up. What have I learned? I have learned that, wow, I'm an island of reality floating in an ocean of diarrhea. That's what I've learned. And life 
is an interesting journey that never ceases to amaze. I thought it would have stopped ceasing to amaze me over 20 years ago, but constantly and thankfully, I am amazed. I've learned that I piss blood. <laughs> Dr. El Suave, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Calvin. I hope you look at that uh, problem you just shared with us. I never will. Love. Prosperity,